Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. This is your Wednesday afternoon live chat for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. It is presented by Jock Market, that's Stock Market DFS. And oh boy, was last week a good week for Stock Market DFS. Sep Straka wins. Kurt Kidiyama up near the top. You could have made quite a bit of cashola if you bought shares of either of those golfers. But this uh, live chat, this time is yours. Questions, concerns, comments, drop them in the chat right now. I'll get through as many as possible. It can be about ownership. It can be about a specific player. It can be about lineup decisions. I mean, ideally, you would provide as much information as possible instead of saying this person or that person. Those usually get skipped because they don't make much sense. And we can talk about that. Talk about everything you want. Let's just get right into it. Joe says... Hey, Rick, thanks for all the great content. As usual this week, filling out my last spot in a single entry lineup. Who has a better chance of making the weekend? That's an interesting designation. Patton Kazire or Lee Hodges? Uh, so you asked specifically about... Where's my uh, tools here? Jeez, oh man, I'm already off to a roaring start. You asked specifically about making the weekend, which is... Uh, that is a floor conversation that we need to be having. So let me pull up a couple of items here, and I'm going to share my screen with you. This is my website. It's rickrungood.com. You should subscribe. I like it. I think you, too, will like it. Patton Kazire. I'm pretty high on Patton Kazire this week, although I'm not sure how, how safe he is. So when you look at the metrics, this is what I love to see. Uh, three or more strokes gained in four of his last five starts on approach. Huge numbers there. If he can combine that with some of the putting gains that we have seen from him at times, I think Patton Kazire is a fairly good upside player. Throw him on Bermuda grass tends to putt very, very well. Lee Hodges, on the other hand, I feel like... Let me see here. I cannot type his name, obviously. Hodges. There we go. Lee Hodges. He's got a couple of pop performances coming off the T9. Two made cuts in a row. Three out of his last four. A little bit more, more reliant on the short game. I think it's by a hair, Patton Kazire, but I'm not confident in that. Well, I'm not sure we even know what Lee Hodges is yet, right? He only has... I don't know, hundred and something measured rounds and that not even that many on tour this season. And he started off as a horrible putter and now he's kind of figured that out and the approach plays all over the place. I, I think it's Kazire, though I would not deem either of them uh, super safe. Would you go with Glover and Poulter or Wallace and Willett? Probably Wallace and Willett. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> On your putter strategy today, is a is a putter the club you'd least want to rent or borrow at the golf course? What club do you think a pro would least like to borrow for an entire tournament? Yeah, so uh, if you followed me on Twitter, you know that I got out to the golf course today. I got to the first green, and I did not have my putter, which is shameful by me. I was practicing with it inside. I forgot to put it back in my bag and I did not notice until I got to the first green. The other gentleman in my group offered to allow me to use their putter. I did not. So the idea is like, you know, why am I going to put with somebody else's putter? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't help me. I just worked on my chipping. It wasn't that big of a deal. I think the putter is probably the one you least want to leave at home. It's so unique to every single golfer. You know, you, you, some people just like the way a golf, a putter looks. Uh, I think the club that's easiest, easiest to replace is the driver. These guys are using generally the same driver, most of them. Golf ball might be tough. If you had to use a different golf ball from like a different manufacturer that was way off of yours, I think pros would hate that. But yeah, not great for the putter this week or, or today for me. Corey Connors is a question here. And we got to talk about Corey Connors because he has now fallen off the face of the earth, at least in terms of public sentiment. And it's because he's got three missed cuts in his last four, a little bit of struggles with the approach play. That is something that his, that's his bread and butter, the putter fine, whatever. Um, the question is with his elite ball striking a low price, he has to be a steal should be low ownership. This is really a matter of what you believe in. Do you believe in short term or do you believe in long term? If you believe in long term, Corey Connors is one of the most mispriced golfers on the slate. If you believe in short term and using his last two starts, which really the last time that he lost strokes on approach in two consecutive uh, starts was last summer. It was in June. It was the Memorial in the U.S. Open. If you're OK with longer term stuff, he's a great play. If you lean more towards short-term stuff, I think you have to be a little bit worried. Uh, same thing with Sam Burns. I kind of lump Sam Burns into that same category. They're going to be 
pretty interesting pivot options, right? If we went through and we said, who's who could give you leverage on the field with legitimate upside? I think Burns's upside is probably higher than Connors is just because Connors has the one victory. Burns is contended a lot more frequently, but I, I do lump those two together. Is it me or is Aaron Rye egregiously mispriced? Well, let's take a peek here. Uh, Aaron Rye is priced at, I believe he's down in the, yes, $6,600 range. So if we look at the cheat sheet here, you can see the names. So if you're talking about being mispriced, you got to look at the names around him. Sam Ryder, who's got three straight top 26 finishes. Uh, Pat Perez, who's played well enough recently. Lee Hodges, who has popped at times. Cam Davis, probably... Yeah, he should probably be higher priced than than Cam Davis. So Aaron Rye, at least what we know about him is he's a very good ball striker, doesn't have any history around API. I do not think he's egregiously mispriced. I think he's a good play. I think if you were really trying to stretch for him, you'd you'd price him at 68, 6,900. I don't think it's that crazy. Any take on EVR this week seems to be flying under the radar among the chalky 7K options. All right, well, let's do a little bit of a deep dive on... Eric Funroyan, I believe is the proper way to pronounce that. And I do think he's flying under the radar a bit because his two really good finishes recently are European tour events, DP World Tour, right? T12 in Abu Dhabi, T4 in Dubai. Those are fairly strong fields when you start talking about the DP World Tour. I can look up the strength of field in just one second, but it's been a good stretch of golf. That's four top 25s in his last five. And then uh, Genesis, he was a little bit um, sour off the tee, which is something that he's much better at. There's a there's a pretty strong case to be made that EVR is pop potential, I think. If we get the around the green play we saw at Genesis, gets back to the off the tee stuff that we normally see, he hits it well. Okay, I'm down with this, Bobby. I think it's cool. Um. Deep dive on uh, Christian Bezadenhout. Okay, so a couple back-to-back South Africans here. Let's do let's do this real quick, and I'll share my screen. So here's Bez. Um, great on per- Bermuda surfaces. And here's his results at Bay Hill. He only has eight rounds, but it's 1.85 strokes gained per round. That is his best course uh, on the PGA Tour. Again, only eight rounds, but a T18 and a seventh place finish will do that for you. And then you look at his play coming in. He does it in a way that I'm a little bit nervous about. You know, he had the stretch to open up 2022 where he was gaining a ton of strokes on approach. That was kind of rare. And then he's, I think, regressed back to his mean in those categories, but he's always a very good putter. So what version are we going to get from him this week? I don't know, but this is a place that uh, he's played well at. And I think you can get a lot of, uh, well, actually, what's his ownership going to be? I was going to say he's probably a leverage golfer, but I'm not even sure. Let's check and see. I have met, about 11.6%. So the top of that 7K range, yeah, he's like the third or fourth, maybe fifth. There's just five guys between 11 and 13. So um, yeah, I think there's some decent leverage there. There is a super chat here. So Christian says, good afternoon, Rick. Hope you're having a great day. How do we feel about Willett and O'Hare this week? Last man in a 100% single entry on DraftKings. So thank you for the super chat. That is uh, always appreciated, never required. So let's do Danny Willett and Sean O'Hare. Is that the other golfer here? Okay. So what I'll do is I'll throw them both into the power rankings and we can kind of flip through this. So they're actually quite similar golfers over the last 50, both gaining about a quarter of a stroke off the tee, both losing it on approach, both okay around the green. The big difference is O'Hare has been a much better putter, a much better putter. Basically six-tenths of a stroke, which is almost certain, almost the entire difference between him and Danny Will. Let's do the last 20 rounds. That would be much more recent form. O'Hare has been terrible. Yeah. Losing on off the tee, losing on approach. Danny's been, look at this though. Danny's been so bad. I mean, Sean O'Hare has been terrible by his own standards and he's still six tenths of a stroke better than Danny Willett is. So I think you go O'Hare here, which is kind of shocking. I was not expecting that result. Hey Rick, I'm pretty far behind my one and done Rory or Fitz this week to try to catch up. Uh, I don't think either of them are going to allow you to catch up super bigly, but uh, probably Rory. 
I, I just think the opportunity for, I love both of them, but I think the opportunity for 2.1 from Rory, and I don't think you necessarily have to save him for a major championship and fits. You can probably get another spot. I think the answer is Rory, but I don't think either of them are allowing you to catch up. Rick, you're the man thoughts on Taylor Pendrith this week. What percentage do you have him coming in at? Okay. Well, I've got Taylor Pendrith coming in at about 3%. Uh, I have Patton Kazire sucking up a lot of the mid $6,000 ownership. So he's coming in at about 12 and a half percent. Let me pull up Pendrith here on the tools on the golfer profiles and we can talk through what we're seeing from him. I think the good news is, uh, you know, his ability to bomb it off the tee. That's a very valuable skill set around Bay Hill. So here, uh, here's, here's Bay Hill and here's the regression model. What two stats are more commonly correlated to success here than other golf courses, driving distance and strokes gained approach. Well, Pendrith certainly knocks off uh, distance and he's been much better on approach. If he, if he can putt, I shouldn't even say putt. If he doesn't hemorrhage strokes around the green and on the green, he can contend. I would probably prefer other bombers. Um, let's see if there's anybody else down here. Well, at that price, there's probably not, there's probably not many guys. Uh, but like Cam Young, if you had like an extra thousand bucks, like I like the way Cam Young sets up a lot better than I like Pendrith setting up. Pendrith is like a, a beta version of what Cam Young currently is. Cam Young's like Cam Young 2.0. Great day. Oh, great day. Good day, Rick. Andy, and you are fire on the scramble. Thank you. He talked about the course getting harder since 2019. Can we get an updated Holy Grail from 2019 till present and see who has done well in the last three? Okay, sure. I can do whatever you want. The Holy Grail allows for that. So let's do this. Let's just do the last three years. That's the request here. Uh, or actually, I guess, do you, you want to include 2019 in there? And say uh, everybody in this field at Bay Hill. And then we'll sort by strokes gain total. And we'll just see what happens. Oh, hmm. Maddie Fitzpatty, number one. Runner up, T9, T10, Sung JM, Roy McElroy, no surprise there. Those three have played all three years. Then you get to Lee Westwood, who only has six rounds, but one of them was the runner-up finish. The other one was a cut. Chris Kirk, eight rounds, T15 and T8. Bezadenhout, Terrell Hatton, and Jason Kokrak. Yeah, there was a question about Kokrak. I skipped it by accident because I went to the Super Chat instead. That was my bad. Uh, Kokrak has been low-key, very, very good at Bay Hill. Just go back to 2014. That's 30 rounds. He's got... One, two, three, four, five, six top twenties. I mean, it's it's been really impressive stuff. Kokrak, I um, I like quite a bit this week. Are we sure that Rory's irons are good to go? The strokes gain data doesn't clearly show this, and I'd hate to use him in a one and done if his approach play is still meh. Yeah, the problem is the recent stuff from Rory is on the DP World Tour, right? So we don't get the strokes gain breakdown over there. So what we got at Genesis was a, a tour average Rory 0.1 on approach. But what, like, what is he doing with the putter? Is he just a, a, a madman now, right? With the flat stick, he's rolling everything in five strokes gained at Genesis six at summit club, 4.6. I mean, it's, it's been a while. It dates back to the Northern trust, but five consecutive PGA measured events. He's gained a ton of strokes. So the real answer sheer dog is we don't know what his approach play is, right? We don't know, uh, especially because it's just one event on, on the PGA tour this, this year. But listen, let's, let's look at what he's done at Bay Hill. Has he always relied on the approach play? Kind of, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that sheer talk. I was, I was setting that up to be like, no, it's been the driver. No, it's been the approach play. So I guess I'd be a little bit concerned, but I, I, why be concerned if we don't know? I don't know, man. Good question. Really good question. Thoughtful. You have to make the decision. On your own. Uh, yeah, so I agree with this. So so it's, uh, Will says, going through the tournament predictor, do you really feel comfortable with Hideki at lower odds to win than Will Zaltoris, Fitzpatrick, Leishman, and M? It seems sacrilege. I agree. I, I tend to agree with you, but I the whole point of the tournament predictor is that I don't put my feelings and thoughts into it right the model it 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 loves what it loves and it hates what it hates and then it simulates it 
a thousand times and still in a thousand Sims, you could get a guy, you know, a thousand Sims and a couple of percentage points, you know, it's only a handful of wins. So you could have guys run good or run bad in small thousand simulation um, runs. If I did 10,000, I bet you Hideki would come up. If I did a hundred thousand, I bet you Hideki would come up. So I agree with you. I don't necessarily just blindly follow that nor anything else, nor should you can you give us an ownership update on the nine thousand dollar range and up is there anyone in that range that has grown on you that you didn't find appealing since the start of the week okay so here is what i have for projected ownership roy mcelroy 24 percent, john rom 19 then you get as kind of expected victor and scotty scheffler are your um, kind of pivot plays in that nine or in that 10 K range with Hideki coming in at 18. If you made me guess, I think Hideki comes in a little bit lower than this for whatever reason, nobody likes to play Hideki. They just don't. Um, so I think growing on me is probably Scotty. You know, Scotty has proven time and time again, recently that he's very good. He's very good in hard fields uh, or uh, strong fields, even in, in tougher conditions, he can show up. I think Scotty will depend on his success will depend on his driver. Um, if his driver can keep him in play, he's in a good spot. I have worries about his long irons from 200 yards and out. But other than that, I, I think if you can give me, like, if you gave me Scotty at 11% and Rory was 25 and Rom was 21, I would take it. Other than that, the 9K range, Fitzpatrick Zalatoris will be popular. You can pivot to Leishman. You could pivot to Sungjae. Honestly, going back to Sungjae, I wrote this up in my newsletter for this week, which you can subscribe to in the descript subscription below. Um, you should probably just forgive Sungjae, right? So let's go through his... I want to look at his rounds last week. Let's just do uh, Sungjae. Whoops, misclick. Yeah, so he loses 2.7 strokes to the field in round one, two and a half of that coming on approach. And he doesn't putt well, well on Friday gained a stroke on approach, putted neutral, gained a stroke and a half on the field, just wasn't enough to get him back into the tournament. Then you look at what he's done at Bay Hill at Bay Hill. And it's been awesome. So I would be glad to pivot to Sung JM. I'd also be glad to have you guys pivot to jock market, which is stock market DFS. So you can buy, sell, uh, short shares of athletes, including golfers. So if you look at the results on my website, uh, which you can, cause this is a free tool as well. Uh, you can see the results from last week. Sepp Straka sold last Wednesday in IPO for $3 and 37 cents a share. And he got the full payout. So you made $21 of profit per share. And someone in the comments is probably saying right now, but Rick, he was a hundred million to one. You only got six and a half to one on your money. Correct. However, if Sepp Straka would have finished second, you would have got 20 bucks uh, per share. Kurt Kitayama, who did not cash anyone's outright ticket, made just $16 a share last week by finishing third. So that's kind of what the jock market allows you to do. That Kitayama number, that 852% ROI, that's like the seventh best ROI ever, I believe. I looked at this earlier. Yeah, he's right here. Seventh best ROI ever. So really great week. So what's going to happen tonight, Wednesday night, it's the IPO. Um, Joe, Idonia, and myself, we do a jock market power hour. So you can join us for that. It's at 8.15 PM Eastern time. It's a live show on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. And we kind of talk you through the market. You can make your bids. You can do all that good stuff. And you can use the code Rick, which is a 100, uh, it's a $50 uh, deposit bonus, which would be very nice. Hey, Rick. Hey, Thomas. Kirk Young and List are all 7.5K and seem very playable. How would you rank them? Yeah, I agree with that. I'm probably going Young, Kirk, List. I think Young has proven a lot on a golf course last week that I did not think on paper was a great setup for him. He finished T20 or T19, whatever it was. And now this is a much better setup for him. Kirk is just great in this whole Florida swing. And then List is kind of just like your ball striking. hope he putts to a zero high upside every week type of guy. So I'd rank them there, but I agree with you. All of them uh, generally good place. Hey, Rick, two questions for you. Thoughts on Lee Westwood and who in your opinion is most likely to make the cut at under 6,500? All right, let's start with that question. So under 6,500 or 6,500 and under most likely to make the cut. Um, I, I do like Kazire. I do. 
Spawn, this might be just too big of a, a course for him. Matt Wallace has the history, but not necessarily the recent form. Oh, I'll tell you what, it might be Doug Gim. You know, outside of the miscut at Honda, he, that ended like an, an eight or nine cut stretch for him. So I think it might be Gim. I wouldn't mind that one single bit. The other thing about Lee, Lee Westwood, what are my thoughts on him? Not very good. Let's go take a peek at what he's done. Cause again, it's a lot of European tour stuff. These guys coming over and making the, um, making the, the, the first, the first start here at, in the, in the Florida swing. So T21 at the Saudi international, are we impressed by that? Not mate, not much, maybe T32 in, in Dubai T20 in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Like not particularly thrilled with those results. And then he finishes T42 at the Honda. And again, it's just kind of, just kind of fine. You know, since that, since those two runner up finishes back to back weeks, you can see him here at the bottom of my screen. Hasn't done much. One top 20, no two top twenties. That's it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see it for Lee this week. What are your thoughts on Mav as a pivot? from Mitchell. So love Mitchell. However, I think we are seeing, and I might've mentioned this somewhere, or I might've just been rambling to my wife about it. I'm sure she really loved that, that we're seeing like Maverick McNeely. I think we're seeing a true growth in him, right? It's not just these alternate field events anymore. It's not just weak fields. It's not just easy courses. I think we're seeing true growth from Maverick McNeely. And if you let me invest in the next 12 months of him, I think we're going to see a lot of really good results. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to argue about a pivot to Mav, even though I think Mitchell's just like an awesome play this week, but sure pivot to Mav. I think you're going to get more good results than bad. Um, I might've been talking about that in bed the other night and she's just like, shut, shut up, shut up. Um, Burns and Gooch this week. Okay, so Gooch had one really bad event, right? So he goes out and he misses the cut at Riviera, hemorrhages strokes on the putting surface. That might have been his worst putting week ever. I guess I should show you my screen, my bad. Uh, no, it was his like sixth worst putting performance, but his worst putting performance since 2019. So we're generally getting a better putter than that from Taylor Gooch. Uh, I don't have many concerns there. I have a few more concerns around Burns. And this hurts me to say, cause I'm such a big fan of him and I love what he's doing, but 2022 has not been a good start for him. And it's in, it's not a good start in kind of concerning ways. He's lost strokes off the tee in three of four. He's lost strokes on approach in three of four. That is just, that's his skill set. And then he's lost strokes putting in three of four. Also his skill set. Then you look at what he's done at, at, at API. And I think he's lost strokes T to green in all four trips. He has, this is just like really, really concerning to not be playing to your strengths and then going to a place that you have historically not played well at. I'm nervous about that. I'm hoping the true great skill set of Sam Burns can break out of this mini slump that he's in. But I think like maybe next week, not that what's he done with the players. Sorry. We're doing a little bit of early research here. Missed the cut in his only trip. Lost four point. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I remember this. I think I played him. Lost 11 strokes to the field. Yikes. Okay. Well, hmm. might have to wait. We might have to wait two weeks for Sam Burns. We'll have to see. Yo says chunk the deuce. I'm addicted to your site, yet struggle with my lineup output each week. Have you found a sweet spot for how many lineups you make each week? With all the info, it's hard for me to narrow it down. What I would recommend, uh, chunk the deuce, is to identify the contests that you want to play and then create the lineups for that contest. So how many lineups? You know, it's not how many lineups you're going to play. It's how many contests you're going to play. So I like to play the um, the single entries, right? Maybe you're... $33 or your hundred dollar or your $200 single entry. And then I like to play the 20 maxes and I don't get too much into the 100 maxes. So what you could then do, so say you wanted to play two different 20 maxes, you could make lineups for each one of those guaranteeing yourself that you're max entering. And then you could say, okay, here's kind of the base core of golfers that I'm going to go with for this 20 max. And here's kind of a different set for another 20 max. Like for this week, you know, I would create 20 lineups for bombers and approach players, maybe something like that. And the other ones first, like, I don't know, tough fields or harder conditions, maybe a little around the green play. Like I could create different profiles of golfers and input them that way. That is my recommendation. Quentin Tarantino is in the chat. Always welcome. He says, I could save him for 
any places that he's had similar success, who are we talking about? I don't know because we're Quentin Tarantinoing this, right? We'll find out at the end of the comment. Um, oh, a couple guys in mind for one and done. Great spot for Leash. Ah, there we go. Quentin, that's that's how we do those comments. Mark Leishman, candidly, I never get him right. I've never in 100 years assessed Mark Leishman's chances at a golf tournament correctly. So you might want to fast forward through this moment. Um, great on approach. I love that. He's gained strokes basically every week back to the Fortinet Championship. His results at Bay Hill are obviously great. He's won this event before, but I'll show you his API stuff. Runner-up two years ago, won it in 2017, gains on approach nearly every single year. Um, the question about one and done. I don't think you necessarily need to use Mark Leishman in a one and done or the most natural spot to use him would be the Zurich. If he's going to pair up with, with Smith or something like that again, um, cause they have a really great rapport. So I'm not sure you need to use Leishman. If you are going to use Leishman, this is a really good spot for him. Does the Europeans do well here theme influence you with who you like? No. Hey, Rick, should we fade Rom and Power since they have little to no course history? Is course history a an important correlated stat? I, I tend to think that course history is a hair more important this year because of the no greens reading books, right? So normally these guys could show up at a golf course and be handed a blueprint of what every single green does, whether they've played it or not. And I think that maybe um, a little bit of course history is important because they can tap into the knowledge of playing to it. But that's just on the greens. I think the arguments we made, and I'll make the case, and I, I wrote this up in Golf Digest, and it's 1 million percent going to burn me, that th I believe, and you know, if you're following me, you know I've not said this in probably a year. I think the case to be made for fading John Rahm is stronger this week than any week in the last year. It doesn't mean it's a strong case. doesn't mean it's a strong case. but. I think there's a case to be made. What is he doing around the greens? He's lost strokes in four straight. That is the first time in his career he's lost strokes around the green. And also, I believe that aligns with him playing a new golf ball, does it not? Isn't he playing a new golf ball now? Don't, don't quote me on that, but like I'm 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 kind of sure about that. The two strokes or the the two strokes that he's lost putting in each of his last two starts also worrisome. You can see the blood boiling. You can see um, the frustrations. You wonder if he gets off to a slow start, if that frustration will kind of take over again. You combine that with the fact that he hasn't played at Bay Hill. And I think more than ever, it's a fade this week. That does not mean it's a huge fade, but I, I think I think this is the week. A Justin Rose deep dive. Haven't had a Justin Rose deep dive in quite some time. All right, let's see what we've got here. Old Jay Rose, see what he's been up to. Actually, I do want to also see... Okay, you guys know I don't like the bucket game, and this is kind of the reason why I don't like the bucket game. So there are a lot more shots that are played here um, at Bay Hill from like over 200 yards, specifically 200 to 225, which this is the problem. So Rose this year is 191st from 200 yards to 225. He's second from 175 to 200. What? What? So from 199, he's great, but from 201, he's terrible. I, I like, I just, I really hate relying on those stats. And that's the perfect example why it's troublesome. Um, hemorrhage strokes on approach at Pebble Beach, but that was only two. Wow, that was only two measured events. What did he do? Did he? The two to lose five and a half strokes over two rounds? I would have think penalty strokes would have been. Uh, in play there because that's kind of out of character for what we've seen from him recently. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could buy a bounce back here. I think you could buy a bounce back. That's that is such an outlier result for him, and he's been well at least from tee to green awesome at Bay Hill. Bunch of top fives. Yeah, okay, I could buy a bounce back here. I've answered a couple of these. Congrats! Oh, thank you. Congrats on breaking your one and done curse. Why, thank you. How did your reverse strategy lineup work for you last week? If it was good, do you have any ideas for the API? Um, it Yeah, so I made a Costanza lineup, which is do the opposite of everything that I think is right. It was a four of six. It had Tommy Fleetwood in it. Fleetwood missed the cut after a good opening round. It had somebody else. Actually, I might still have it saved in my 
PGA Tour leaderboard, it had someone else that missed the cut. And I was like, why would I have played that guy? Uh, it was, oh, Higo. I'm not just an idiot. Um, it did have Shane Lowry in it, though. And I believe when he was winning, that lineup was cashing with a four of six in the $100 single entry. Any ideas for this week? So if I were to make a lineup that I would never make, it would be, um, I'm not going to give you the whole lineup, but it would, it would include, it would include Leishman at 9% ownership. It would probably include, uh, Seamus. And it would probably include like Lucas Glover. And I'd stop there. Oh, anyone. Oh, okay. This says also for anyone with prize picks, McElroy was added as the 16th hole prop. Might want to check, crush that one while you can. Let's look into it. So I have a prize picks tool um, and you can use the code Rick. You can use the link in the description. You can get up to a hundred to a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. I've been pouring through the data. So I have this tool, which is freaking unbelievable. So I've loaded in every, um, every hole for this course that people have played of eligible golfers. So what you can do, so what is it? Hole 16. Hole 16, you can go through and you can see that Rory McIlroy, on average, has played this hole at 4.25. He's played it 24 times. He has made 14 birdies. He has made two eagles. That's 16 versus eight pars. That means 16 out of 24 times, about what? 66% of the time, he has gone under the four and a half prop. You can find a lot of guys like this. Paul Casey, Justin Rose, Adam Scott. Um, yeah, the under on, on 16, four and a half, it should be crushed, I believe. And you can go through and you can see all the data for fairways and greens. We've moved the numbers on fairways, by the way. It opened up where multiple guys were over 10, 10 and a half. Now, no one, uh, actually, this is, I have to, I have to refresh this. There's like one guy who's at 10 now. So we're moving lines. And I think it's because we're on the right side of the things with the data. So use, uh, use the code Rick and go sign up. Parker, this is so nice of you. It says, I'm having a similar one and done season to you. What? Terrible. You can say it's terrible. What kind of golfers are you looking for when you're trying to climb out of a huge hole that you're in? Oh, there you go. There's the rest of the comment. That was really nice. So uh, you, you, we've got 60% of the season left. You don't have to be super crazy yet, but you got to start getting like, you got to be the fifth and sixth most popular golfer, right? You just can't play number one, number two, sometimes even number three. You can still play the favorites, the guys near the top, the guys that are most likely to win, but you want the you want to be the only one on them. Like Scotty Scheffler this week or Victor Hovland this week would be a good option. Uh, just because not many people are going to play them. They are only slightly less likely to win than Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and all that stuff. So that that's the way. And then as the season goes on, as we start getting to 30% left, 20% left, 10% left, you're going to have to start going further down the board. Please do not submit the same question twice. I'm going in order, so that does not help. Thoughts on going uh, to Wolf this week despite his performance at Honda? Yeah, so we knew, everyone knew Wolf was going to be terrible at Honda last week, right? Like that was that was the lock of the century. I think I wrote it up for Golf Digest. It was just, when you have water out there as... Uh, <laughs> As much as as much as Han as PJ National does, you're just you're just toes up. Um, this is on paper a better course for him, but I don't like the way he's coming in because he could be the driving distance guy. He could be the extracted from the three inch rough guy. He can be that guy. But look at the rest of his game. Even at, at non PGA National courses, you know he's losing a stroke on approach at Farmers. He's losing four and a half at the American Express. He's losing nearly two at uh, in Houston. That's not good signs. The putter, not necessarily there. The short game, I don't know. Sometimes it shows up, sometimes it doesn't. So on paper, this is a pretty good one. I might sneeze. Sorry, on paper, this is a pretty good one, but I, I'm not confident enough in, in the way that he's playing. Uh, hybrid with a super chat, thank you. Hey, Rick, been a while. Thoughts on Denny McCarthy this week. All right, let's do the old Denny. The old Denny train. Let's see, has he played at API before? Let's take a peek, see. So what do we have? Well, tell you what. He's looking like Denny McCarthy, gaining four, 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 five strokes, putting. 
better, I suppose, off the tee. Approach a loser, but not losing as bad. I mean, this is classic Denny, right? What's he done at API? Anything? He 26 uh, last year, missed the cut the year before, gained five strokes putting. I think he's fine, right? I mean, it's just classic Denny. I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I, it's just, you know what you're going to get when he has a really good putting week and the rest of it is a zero. You're probably going to get a T12. That's just, that's just Denny. <laughs> good afternoon, golf fans. Can we please get these likes up for Rick? Yeah, sure. Like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, who's the producer's play of the week? That's my wife. She says Chris John Bezadenhoff. She also says, is that to another comment? She also had another comment in here. But I don't know if I should divulge that yet, or maybe it's coming later. I'm I'm behind on questions if you haven't figured that out yet. Um, oh, she said Oliver's <laughs> oh, she said Oliver's Puerto Rico pick is Satoshi Paul Daira. But um bump bump that's a pun who is the under the radar play this week and who's your popular fade so i, I think my popular fade is john rom and i'm terrified about it my other fade would probably just be Zalatoris, right so he's going to be very highly owned um you know he's he's fine but he is not twice as likely to win this as sung jm right if, if you're looking at it that way he's not three times as likely to win it as will Zalatoris. if you're looking at it that way uh my under the radar guy so just looking in terms of ownership It might be Sungjae. It really might be. Can can I say that? Can I say Sungjae? Burns everybody last week? I think it's Sungjae. How do you view players that are putting okay, but hemorrhaging strokes around the green and vice versa? When is it better to look at strokes gained around the green and putting combined as opposed to independently? Yeah, um... I don't know when it's better, but I often am just looking at both, right? So like I have strokes gained short game and I have strokes gained ball striking in the database. Obviously stroke T and short game is around the green plus putting off the tee and approach um, is uh, ball striking combine those together. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What the better time to look at them is, but I just am always kind of looking at them and seeing if anything stands out. Like if you're, I'd rather you be hemorrhaging in one category than being bad in both, because at least if you get a good week, you could conceivably make that up. I've answered a couple of these, so I'm going to keep going. How does ownership dictate your core? If you see a guy come in high, do you change matter, make a pivot with one of your guys to other guys? Um, so I, I've said this a lot. I never let one single golfer dictate what I'm going to do. So if, if I was really smitten on... Will Zalatoris this week, I would find other ways to be different, right? I wouldn't build Zalatoris, then Keith Mitchell, where I have no leverage on the field, right? So I would go Zalatoris, then I'd go Sergio Garcia or Tommy Fleetwood, right? So like, I don't let one single guy dictate my core. I determine like who I need to have, like who's the guy that I need to have in my lineup? All things considered, who's the guy that I need to have in my lineup? Is it Matt Fitzpatrick this week because of the really good form and he plays well in strong fields and he's got three top tens and he's 9,200, so I'm flexible? Maybe that's the guy. And even if he's going to be 20% owned, I don't really care because I can get different in other places. So I could probably do nine hours on that, but I'll just I'll just stop it there. All in, who do you like in jock market tonight? So uh, Matty Fitzpatty, sh let's do it. But I think he's going to be fairly popular. It might, we might get an all-time high IPO on Matt Fitzpatrick tonight. Um, Cam Young, I'm in on. Really, those guys in the 7,500. That's where I think you're going to make money money in the jock market because you'll get you'll get access to power. Even like Connors, Power, Young, Kirk, List, EVR. Fire them up. If that was my portfolio tonight, I'd be thrilled because uh, you don't need them to win to make money, which is obviously important. Oh, <laughs> Denver Timmy's trying to break the system. So he says, I know you hate questions about wind. I'll ask in a different way. Is there a stat that tells us what players have the best trajectory control, trage control, or just the best ball strikers? Well, the best ball strikers one is very easy. It's called strokes game ball striking, right? That's generally speaking, the guys that flush it, are always going to be better in windy conditions, right? So let's just look at last 100 rounds, 
golfers in this field, strokes gain ball striking, you are going to find John Rahm, Corey Connors, Victor Hovland, Paul Casey, Will Zalatoris. If you go more recent, last 20 rounds, you are going to find John Rahm, <laughs> Will Zalatoris, Paul Casey, Maddie Fitzpatty, and Luke List. Okay. So that's that start there. That's easy enough to find. Um, trage control. You could look at apex. However, a lot of guys play different apexes or different shot shapes or different trages depending on what is being asked of them, right? Um, and it's weird because especially at a place like Bay Hill where you would want high apex to come into these greens, especially from 200 yards out, a.k.a. Jason Day, someone like that, um, you wouldn't want that for the wind. That is why this is all flawed, right? And you don't know what shot the guy's trying to hit. There's a really good story um, – that I, I I I won't divulge all the names and details, but I was watching a, a PGA Tour player on the range, and I was watching him um, just sh every shot. He was hitting it two-yard draw, two-yard fade, dead straight, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's locked in. He's absolutely – this is perfect. Uh, spoke with him afterwards, and he was like, that was the worst range session of my life. I was trying to hit all cuts I couldn't find, and I was just like, oh, that, like, that looks good to me. So we don't know what they're trying to do. This is why all that stuff is flawed. What does your card look like this week? Okay. So you guys always get me to divulge this, which I don't, you know, I don't love to give away my card because it doesn't matter what my card is, right? You should spend your money the way you want to spend your money. And I'll spend my money the way that I want to spend my money. And I don't know your risk tolerances and all that stuff. So that's my caveat, but I'll tell you what my card is right now. Um, which by the way, I, I said on the live chat last week, don't let me forget to bet, uh, Lowry and Norin, that almost worked out because I got Lowry in there. So here's what I've got. And I get I probably get better numbers than you guys too, because I'm at Circa. So Cam Young, Keith Mitchell, Matt Fitzpatrick, Hideki Matsuyama, and Jason Kokrak. So that's like my five. Okay. I did also bet Aaron Wise at 125 because now I'm just part of this. I'm just I'm just in this now. Right. And I just have to at least bet it through Florida. So, uh, I don't really even like act like that's my part of my card. And then obviously I'll probably bet Victor, but that's, again, I separate those out. My, the five that I gave you, that would be my card. That would be my card. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to get caught up on questions. I've named, um, I've named a lot of these, or I've answered a lot of these. Mark says, can you name five golfers you would avoid in DFS? Uh, I would refer you to an article I wrote for Golf Digest where I go through every tier and write one golfer uh, most likely to disappoint. I would recommend you to that. Just type in my name in Golf Digest. You'll find it. Considering Casey Sungjae or Leishman, do you have any lean? I can't get that Sungjae four put out of my head. Yeah, not great. Um, I think in terms of owner, I think in terms of upside and ownership, it's Sungjae. Leishman's fine. Casey, I do wonder about the upside, but he's probably like a lock to finish inside the top 20. Is the Puerto Rico curse still real? So I don't know. It depends on what you think not real is. Um, because Victor won again immediately, but it wasn't on American soil. Finau finally won, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I think it's over. Borrowing the driver worked for Victor in the past. That's right. Because it's all the same. But he wouldn't want to borrow somebody's uh, putter. I'll tell you that for free. My gut says Rory, but I'm worried about the majority of my one and done going to go with him. Should I pivot to Hideki or Im? Uh, if you, if you want to pivot to Hideki, I'd be thrilled for you. Because uh, I've just divulged that I've bet him this week. And I just, I just, I love, like, okay, let's just do the decky thing real quick. I don't even think we've talked about him all that much. So you're getting a lot of really good stuff from Hideki. He's basically the best player on the PGA Tour this year, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that's a very, very true statement. He's got the win. He's got the T13 at Tournament Champions, the T8 in Phoenix. He's gaining on approach. The He's been a positive putter this year. Positive putter this year. Come on, come on, come on. It's time. Love Hideki this week. When placing outrights, do you ever go 
with options that exclude the favorites. Can't tell if the odds on remaining players are discounted too much in exchange. Am I understanding this correct question correctly? Do you ever go with options that exclude the favorites? Often I do. I, I try not to bet. I usually don't bet the favorites, right? Like John Rahm and I, I usually don't bet those guys. I try. I would love to start in the 20s. <laughs> Some of these questions are weird. Scheffler or Matsuyama for my last DK pick? Um, Decky. Some of these questions are also poor. So we're going to go through some of these. Am I nuts for rostering a bunch of Cam Davis this week? No, no, no. You're not super crazy, but you're maybe just like a little bit crazy. I think this is, okay, so what's the most ideal spot for Cam? Like 3M or Rocket Mortgage, obviously, right? But um, the distance that he has and the club head speed that he has is more of an advantage here. Now, the rest of his game hasn't been all that great either, but he's putted better around the green. It's been better. That's usually more important on difficult golf courses. I was impressed what he did around the green at Riviera, the way he putted at Riviera. So I, I think that um, there is a case to be made that this is an above average spot for Cam Davis. I think that's okay. Thoughts on Sung Jay versus Willie Z? Am I one and done currently middle of the pack? Uh, then either are fine. I would probably play Sung Jay, but it's it's super close. Super, super close. Paul Casey. No, 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 no. Who gets off to a fast start here? All right. I don't know if it's if it's if it's interesting or not, but let's do this. All right. So let's do round by round. Let's just do, let's just do round one at Bay Hill. That's like super deep, right? We usually don't go that deep. So round one at Bay Hill, it's going to be a lot of small sample size guys, but let's just do it. Whoops. More filters. Like some guys might have one round, but let's just do it for kicks. Oh no. Scotty Scheffler's done it. So Scotty Scheffler's played one round here. He gained five and a half. Scotty Scheffler is also a very, Fast starter, isn't he? I like we, we can look at his round one numbers, but he is, um, he's a very fast starter. That does not surprise me one single bit. Gooch has done it three times, uh, plus seven, plus five and a half, and plus zero. Nick Watney, five times, plus four and a half, plus six, plus five, plus two. Ooh, doggy. Nick Watney for first round leader. Should we do it? Corey Connors has been pretty good. Paul Casey, Kokrak, he's played it nine times. He's gained strokes to the field in his last ten, uh, last eight. Four, four, three, and five in that mix. How about a Nick Watney first-round leader? Let's go. Probably get that at a million to one. Um, Logan, you can email me or I can cover this in a different... It'll take me too long. Explaining how the projections are made for the cheat sheet. It, it, it would take me too long. But if you email me or we get into a situation where I don't have 12 minutes left and a lot of comments, I will go through that. Um, can you talk about your process for when you eat chalk and when you fade it? Um, I wish I had a better answer than just like my gut, right? Like if there are good pivot options, I I'm, I'm happy to fade it. There is a case we made that once any golfer on the PGA tour gets over like 26 or 27%, you should be fading it. It's just such a volatile, random sport. And there are generally options that are a fraction of the ownership that are nearly just as likely to find success. So I will fade more often than not. The only time I might eat it is like in a core cascading method where I do like 20, you know, 20 entries and the same guys are in 16 of them and I'm out chalking the chalk. That's the time where, where I would, where I would eat it. Um, Cam champ, Cam champ has been devastatingly bad. Um, I, I know it's driving distance and I know it is, approach play but let like we can look at cam champ here real quick is that what this question is regarding um he's just been horrible i mean the the short game 
terrible. The putting terrible doesn't help on approach. I mean, longer term approach is a little bit better. The the stuff since the BMW championship, not very good. He might even lose strokes off the tee this week. I, I do not like the cam champ play. FYI, the run good rundown went straight to spam the last two weeks. So I know it did two weeks ago. I think it was, I changed to a different provider because I thought I was going to be cool. And I thought that you, and it was because I could let people sign up on my Twitter page. And I think a lot went to spam. And then this week should have been better. The delivery numbers looks better this week, Sheardog. So sorry, man. But it, I was hoping it was going to be better this week. Bo Hostler's kind of in play. I'm going to go a little bit quicker here. We, I've answered a lot of these. If you could only play Hideki in fantasy this week or at the players, which would you roll with? Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, if if ownership matters, I think this week. Next week is very, very I mean, I know he had the, the lead in 2020 when they canceled that thing, but um, Sawgrass is still very volatile. And there will be guys at the top of the board who ruin you next week. And I think he will also be more popular next week. So I will say you play him this week. Luke List or Cam Young? I like them both, but I think the answer is Cam Young. Best option, $6,500 or below? Who did I say before? Wallace is okay. Doug Gim is okay. That's about it. I prefer Hostler over Ortiz. What kind of hat is that? Couldn't find any Paiute hats that I liked last week. What? You're crazy. This is, um, I forget the company. D. Hudson. It was one of those Instagram ads that got me. It's fine. Oh boy. Okay. Um, I've answered a lot of these, so I'm just, I'm just rolling through. I'm just rolling through here. Lonto, Kirk and Keegan, who makes and or misses the cut. I think Kirk is in. I think Keegan is in. I think Lonto's out. What's up, Rick? When using the custom model for building lineups, what randomness percentage and ownership would you avoid? Uh, would you use for for avoiding chalkiness? Okay, so the custom model allows you to set a randomness and it allows you to set a um, max projected ownership. So generally, what I do is I leave it at ten percent randomness. If I'm playing in large GPPs, I'll put the max at like eighty, and then if I'm feeling really frisky, I'll set my max salary to forty nine thousand seven hundred. Whoops, I meant to be showing my screen there. So randomness at ten. Because that can go minus 10 to 10. That's a pretty big range. Max projected ownership. I like 80. And then uh, if I'm feeling really frisky, max salary to 49,700. Again, that's the way I do it. I tinker, but that's fairly, gives you some fairly unique lineups. <clears throat> While I'm here, yeah. So a new model. So let's look at what I did. Earlier in the week. Okay, it was big on distance. It was big on approach. I would probably still do that. Um, par five scoring. I lay, I, I mean, let's just build a different one, right? So I don't know if this, is, if this is what I would actually do, but let's do a different one. Let's, let's do the over 200 yards one, right? That's a lot of the shots are going to come from there. Let's, let's do it. Let's do um, d distance as well, but a little bit less. And then I'll do a weighted kind of a, um, a weighted, weighted strokes gained. So if you're just listening, what I'm doing is, whoops, not that. 25 on uh, approach over 200 yards, 15 on driving distance, 20 on weighted strokes gained approach, 15 on weighted strokes gained around the green, uh, 15 on weighted strokes gained putting, which leaves me with 10. And I would probably put my final 10 on, uh, which is just do DraftKings points. And we'll run this. So number one golfer, Scotty Scheffler. He's going to win this week, isn't he? Is, is Scotty Scheffler just going to win this week? Hideki two, Sungjae three, Mav four, Rom five, Rory six, Zalatoris seven, Leishman eight, Hovland nine, Casey 10. That's also surprising because 
those 200 plus buckets um, for Scotty aren't great. So he must be really great at all the other stuff. I have a season long draft this Saturday. How can I best utilize your site to make up a rankings in a cheat sheet? Uh, I would use the power rankings because you can look at any golfers that you want for any number of rounds. You can see what they're good at, what they're not good at. Um, breakout stars. Uh, Cam Young could be one. Let's see. I would also look at like ball striking. Um, like Keith Mitchell could be one, right? If that counts. That's that's probably where I'd go without spending too much time on it. When you're a content creator, do you view content differently or do you welcome the perspective of, say, a Pat Mayo versus uh, as a contracted view? Oh, okay. So it's like a different view, gut versus numbers. Yeah, listen, I, I don't... Um, I don't know. I don't, oh, it's weird. I don't necessarily view myself as a content creator. Like I know that I'm doing that, but I'm, I think I'm just doing it for myself and talking through it and hoping that people enjoy it. So it's kind of weird. Um, but of, of course I think that there's something for everybody. Right. And I get a lot of questions like, Hey Rick, I want to create content. I want to do this. What should I do? My answer is never do the same thing everybody else is doing, right? Like if you're if you're making a Monday DFS preview and a Tuesday betting preview, you're just part of the noise, right? Like find something to be different, um, take it from a different angle, whether it's entertainment or pure numbers or whatever. Do it at different times. Do it just do it different. Is and I think it's great. I think it's great. I think we all raise each other. Um, I I'm cool with going back to Svensson. He led the field in strokes gained tee to green last week. Uh, over time, first round leaders come more frequently from the early waves. Um, Lou Stagner tweeted out a couple of months ago, a really, really cool chart about how putting gets a lot harder over the course of the day. doesn't matter if you're a good putter or not. It gets harder over the course of the day because you get foot traffic and the greens aren't as pure and all that stuff. Usually a little bit firmer, a little bit faster. So, um, the, the AM it's a smaller, it's like 55%, but it usually comes from, from, from there. If Hideki bombs this week, do we do we hammer him at Sawgrass? Yeah. Cool with that. I've Yes, correct. So this says I've been flirting with the core method, core cascading, and I love the risk reward. Yep. I'm wondering if it's smart to leave at least $500 of salary left on the table for more maneuverability when cascading. Yes, it allows you to go up. I watch you at 1.75 speed, so this live stuff is different. Oof, 1.75 feels fast. Favorite matchup of the week. You know what? There was one that I saw on still, I guess it's it's uh, Caesars, not William Hill, but that's still the website. The one matchup that I liked, hold on, let me find this again, was, hold on, I'm going to find it for you. I think it was Gooch over Henley. Is that the one that I liked? Oh, it might have been. Okay. I think it was Coke Rack minus 110 versus Max Homa. That was it. Will you be tailing Greg now that he's on a manifestation train? No. But that doesn't, listen, I, I don't know. That doesn't, I don't know if I, I don't know if that works for me. But I do like he was, um, he had some other good ideas that I liked. Hey, Rick, just got here on a lunch break. I'm about to go on my own. Wanted to ask who your favorite low-cost GPP flyer is. Okay, that's an interesting question. So, because it's uh, it's specific, but it's also not. So, it allows me to kind of do this a couple of different ways. Low-cost. So, I'm going to say under 7,000, 72. And a flyer hoping, so I'm looking for upside and I'm looking for low ownership. The immediate person to come to mind would be Siwoo, but he's missed four straight cuts here. So, I'm thinking maybe it's not a good setup for him. What about um, Fratelli? I have Fratelli like less than 1% owned. He's got three top 26s in a row. He has a top 20 here. I don't mind that. How about Fratelli? Not the worst thing in the world. Nick Watney, uh, 190 to 1 first round leader. 
Do you have a strategy or build video for props and prize picks? Do you use a core? How many different parlays on and on? Just trying to get familiar. I do not have one yet, but that's my goal. I do kind of build a core, right? I've got a couple of props that I like the most, and then I will kind of use them as two prop entries, and then I'll use them in three prop entries, but I might swap out the third one and then four and kind of swap out one of each, right? So I'm just trying to get uh, kind of what I do with like a core cascade in DFS is I'm trying to get a lot of exposure to the ones that I like with the understanding that if one of those whiffs, I can kind of swap out in some places. Um, sorry, I just, I didn't want 10 seconds to go by of silence. People probably were like, is this frozen? Uh, we are almost at the end of the questions and we are, oh, oh we are at one o'clock. Okay. Hold on a second. I've got lunch coming up here shortly. Oh yeah, these aren't okay. I'm good. I'm good on these questions. I think so. Here's, here's a couple of items. What's for lunch today? Buffalo chicken sandwich. Um, here's what we're going to do. Thank you for joining. Thank you for hitting the like button. Thank you for subscribing. I can't believe we're like almost at 18,000 subscribers. That stuff's crazy to me. So thank you for all of that. Um, I'm going to be doing a jock market power hour tonight. That's at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time with Joe Idoni. You can use the code Rick and get access to a deposit bonus there. Basically, if you go to look for a deposit bonus somewhere, try Rick first. There's a good chance... I've got a code somewhere. Might just give it a crack. Maybe it'll come back to me and I'd, I'd appreciate it. Um, otherwise, thanks for all the support. Pet your dogs. And I guess I'll see you later. Bye.